Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. I want to give you something this morning that I truly feel like from the bottom of my heart is a, a right now word. I don't say that as a cliche. I don't say that as hype. Um, I hope every time that I get an opportunity to speak the word of God and share out of his word that it's pertinent and it's relevant. But every once in a while, God downloads something um, into my heart or into a pastor's heart to kind of broaden the scope. And it's a specific word for a specific group of people for a specific moment that navigates and shifts things in the spiritual realm if they'll have ears to hear what the Spirit says. How many of you know Jesus said that multiple times and so did Paul? But Jesus is the main catalyst for that. May they have ears to hear what the, he says that at the beginning of Revelation, chapter 2, 3, and 4, over and over and over again, when he confronts the churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor, he says, may they have ears to hear what the Spirit says. May they have ears to hear. Meaning, may they open their spirit. May they not get so consumed with the process and the context and the conflicts around them that they lose sight of the Spirit being able to speak to them. How many of you know we've gone through a season where there are some things that's discouraged and distracted us and bothered us and consumed us that a lot of times you have to, con- you have to contend to get back where God wants you to be in your spiritual walk so you can walk in His glory and His presence like He intends for you to walk. The things of this world, the things of this world and the, and the purposes of the things of this world is, is twofold. Number one, we're supposed to be in it, but not of it. Everybody understands that. The other thing is we're supposed to be salt and light. We've been covering that on Wednesday nights. If you've been a part of the Wednesday night studies on his kingdom come, we've been dealing with that in detail, and we're going further in that um, this coming week. But one of the things that I really, really feel like, and I'm going to share with you this morning, I'm going to give you some Old Testament context and wrap it into some New Testament thoughts and presentation from the Lord. But as as the nation of Israel, there were some things that happened in the nation of Israel that leads up to where I want to start today in my message. They had they had started um, complaining. Isn't that weird? People could complain. Not us. I mean, come on. But they had started complaining and they had started um, coming before the priest, the Levitical priest, and they'd started becoming, they came before Joshua and, and then it began to morph. This is after Joshua and they asked for a king. And the prophet came to them, Samuel came to them and said, the Lord said, you don't need a king. He's king enough for you. He will guide you. And that wasn't good enough for them. They still wanted a king. So he gave them Saul. And, and King Saul, we know the process of King Saul. We know if you read anything, you know, in, in first, first Samuel and Second Samuel, specifically First Samuel, chapters two, three, all the way up through four, you can get the heritage and the lineage of Samuel, his life, the fact he had three sons. Jonathan was David, the next king's best friend. You can you can do a lot of research with that. We see that Saul um, started shifting his format. He fell away from God. The way that he was leading the nation, he fell away from God. And a lot of things happened all at one time when the leader that God didn't want the people to have in the first place started going to places like Endor, the witch of Endor and Medians, and seeking advice and seeking counsel and seeking prophecy from the wrong places. He ended up in a battle on Mount Gilboa and in that battle with the Philistines, a couple of things happened. He lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines. And he, he, was, he was murdered. He, was, he ended up having his... He was going to be taken by the Philistines. And so he had to fall on his own sword. When the Philistines came up upon him and his sons, they beheaded him. And they hang, hung his head in one of their cities. The children of Israel came back and found the bodies of Saul... They buried them. And Pastor Jim, where are you going with this? Because at, at that time, one of the things that happened was the, the presence of God, the glory of God was in a tangible place in the middle 
of the cherubims of the angels in a spot called the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. It was God's seat. It was God's holy presence. He would, we know this when they came out and they, they, they made the Ark of the Covenant because it would follow them with a pillar of fire and a cloud and they built the temple to honor him and, and they would go, the priest once a year would make an atonement for a blood sacrifice for the people and he would go in underneath the Shekinah, into the Shekinah glory of, of, of the Father and he would present the blood sacrifice on the Ark of the Covenant past the veil. And we know that that they actually took the Ark of the Covenant out of a secret spot in Shalom. You can read the word. They took it out of a secret spot in Shalom, and they thought if they brought the Ark of the Covenant, just the fact that they brought God with them, or a form of God with them, that they would, they would win the battle with the Philistines, and they lost it. They lost it. They lost the Ark. They lost the battle horribly. King Saul, subsequently, the story I just told you, and the people are in disarray. It's kind of interesting to me that, that in, in this battle, there are the head priest, Eli, has two sons. He has two sons. One, one is named um, Phineas and the other is named Hophni. Phineas and Hophni, these two sons of this priest, are also killed in the battle where the ark is taken. And the news comes back to the high priest, Eli, and it says that the news hit him so intensely that he fell off his chair. And when he hit the ground, he died. Phineas, which was one of Eli's sons, which was an heir to, the, to be the next priest. His wife, Phineas' wife was having a baby when someone ran in and said, your husband was just killed in the battle with the Philistines and the Ark of the Covenant was taken. She subsequently died in the middle of childbirth, but before she did, she looked at someone and she says, you need to name this child coming out Ichabod. And everybody stopped before the child came out because they all knew what Ichabod stood for. Ichabod means the glory has departed. The glory has left. The glory is no more. Where is the glory? That's what she named her child because the glory had shifted. The glory had changed. The glory was gone. God's presence was gone upon the nation. So, it's kind of interesting because in Samuel chapter 5 and chapter 6, the Philistines have the Ark of the Covenant, the seed of God, His holy presence. And it's kind of interesting. Um, matter of fact, they, they try to shift this around, trying to figure it out. It goes from Ashdod to Gath to Ekron, to, to Septuagint. It actually ends up in Septuagint. But in Gath, both, both, in, both in Ashdod and in Gath, the people start breaking out in tumors and having horrible hemorrhoids. I'm not... It's bad. It's some bad stuff. They didn't know how to handle the glory and it was bad. So they kept shuffling the ark. They didn't want to give it back. So they kept shuffling God's glory, God's seat, God's presence around all these cities that I just gave to you. And finally, it, it ends up in Septuagint. And not only do they break out in horrible tumors, and not only do they have horrible hemorrhoids, but they have a mice infestation. I mean, mice are, it's like the plagues of Egypt all over again. And... So finally, the Philistines can't handle it. So the leaders of the Philistines come to their soothsayer and say what the problem is. And they said, well, we'll go in and we'll find out. And they come back out and they say, well, here's the problem. Um, you're not supposed to have the ark. <laughs> to the point where, and it, this wasn't a, a great revelation from the soothsayers. They had taken the ark of the covenant to a temple in Septuagint. The temple of their God called Dagon. You can read about it. And they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple next to Dagon and they would walk in in the morning and the God Dagon would be bowed down before the Ark of the Covenant. That's got to be insulting. I just, just that's, gotta, that's just got to, you know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, they kept doing this over and over again. One day they walked in, not only was the God Dagon bowed down before the Ark of the Covenant, his hands were cut off and his feet were cut off. God was making a point. 
So they decided, you know, this thing is a major issue. And there's something about this thing we're not supposed to have. So they sent it back. That they actually made little idols. They made little mice idols and tumor idols. They did. To try to appease. And they, they sent it back. And matter of fact, the Ark of the Covenant so disturbed the people of the Philistines that they started having great anxiety and nervous breakdowns. King David in the meantime, gets anointed as king and he comes into Jerusalem and he gets word that the Philistines have brought the Ark of the Covenant back and he wants to go to a place called Kerath jerem That's the, the very first city they could get to in, in where the Israelites lived. So they just dropped it off in Kerath jerem And David, David finds out that not only do they drop it off, they finally drop it off, but then they start to raid the valley of Ephraim, which is God's people. And they start raiding it, and they start pillaging it and plundering it and doing all the awful things that the Philistines would do. And, and this, is, this is where things change. This is where leadership changes. David, he hears about it. And everybody said, matter of fact, his mighty men of valor say, hey, we've got to do something about this. We've got to go fight. It's time to fight. And David says, no, it's not time to fight. It's time to seek the Lord. And then we'll ask what God wants us to do. And then we'll do what he says. So he went in to the Lord and the Lord said, they're right. It's time to fight. And he comes out and he goes, the Lord said, it's time to fight. Let's go fight. And they win one of the greatest battles over the Philistines that's been recorded. And they, they win the battle and they come back. And all of a sudden they get word within a, just a short amount of time that the crazy Philistines have come back and started doing the same thing. And the mighty men of valor come in and go, hey, we whooped them once, let's go do this again. And David goes, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not, we're not going to get things out of order. And they're like, it's almost like David, praying's a waste of time. God's already on our side. And David says, I will not listen to that. And he went in the second time and he prayed and God said, don't go fight them. He said, I don't want you to fight this time. I want you to flank them and go around behind them. And I want you to wait till my presence shows up in the tops of the mulberry trees. And when you hear me stirring and the wind stirring and my glory coming back in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you come out and I will give them to you in battle. And that's exactly what happens. He hears the stirring in the mulberry trees. He gets the direction of the Lord. He comes and flanks them. And this time he pushes them back. They have such a victory. He pushes back the Philistines almost permanently. He comes back to Jerusalem. And he wants to restore God's glory to its rightful spot in Jerusalem. And he goes to Kareth Jerem and... He takes people with him and there's a gentleman by the name of Uzziah and he builds a brand new ox cart to haul the Ark of the Covenant on. I just want to share with you that God didn't want the Ark of the Covenant being hauled by a bunch of cattle. That's how the Philistines did it. And so David said in his mind, again, when you take shortcuts with God's glory and God's presence, you end up with not positive things. So he takes this new cart and they load up the Ark of the Covenant. You can read about it. And they start coming, heading, into, heading towards Jerusalem. They're miles out. They're heading into Jerusalem. And there's a spot on the roadway where the oxen come through a washout and the Ark starts to sway. And a gentleman by the name of Uzziah reaches up to brace the Ark so it doesn't fall off. And the minute that he touches the Ark, he's dead on the ground. David stops everything. He's actually, he's praising God. He's singing. He's excited. The ark's coming back. He stops everything and he turns to his friend Uzziah who is dead before him and fear hits his heart. And it says that. And he puts, immediately stops, comes to the next village and he gives the ark to a man named Obed-Edom. Gives the ark to this guy. Says, we got... I did something wrong. 
There's some, something I, I gotta, you take care of it. And Obed-Edom takes the ark, has it for three months. You can read it. In Chronicles chapter 10, Chronicles chapter 11, he has it for three months. In the three months that he has it, his family as a whole is blessed beyond reason for the ark being, for him taking the ark. David comes back, does his research, goes in and prays, asks what's wrong, realizes that the only people that God has destined to allow his glory and his presence and the ark to be carried by is the Levitical priests. So he calls the Levites in and he says, you need to get clean. We're bringing the ark, you need to get clean. And so they do. They do exactly what tradition was. They, they, they sanction themselves aside. They cleanse themselves. They go to Oda Edom's house. They put the ark in the poles that they're supposed to carry it on their shoulder. And it shows up in Jerusalem. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15, when it shows up in Jerusalem, David's so excited that it's there that he comes out to meet the Levitical priests. And this is the spot where David sheds his outer garment and he begins to dance before the Lord. He, he's dancing before the Lord and his, his wife, Saul's daughter, that he had been given from Goliath, you guys remember all that story, looks out the window and sees David dancing before the Lord and she gets irate because he's the king and he's acting so undignified. That he's not acting like a king. A king would not present himself like that. And you can read that story. David, David actually curses Saul's daughter, his wife, and says, if God's presence comes back into our midst, I'll even be more undignified than this. You ought to see what I wanted to do. I held it together. Woman, I, I held it together. You should have seen what I really wanted to do. You think you're mad. I would have really shown you something to get upset about. And then he builds a tent because we know he didn't build the temple. He started to try to build the temple and he had issues with morality and his son Solomon was the one that finished the temple, but he put the ark in the tent of meetings in the sanctuary that it was supposed to be back in so God's glory would come back to the people of God. And he wrote a song. How many know David was a psalmist? And in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, he wrote a song. And about three or four weeks ago, not going to go through everything that I've been through. All of you already are probably aware of that. I was doing some study. I was doing some study on the presence of God, the glory of God, and the Holy Spirit. I was, I was doing a deep dive into Acts, Acts chapter 2, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit coming in the upper room, and us becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit, and His power, God's power and glory being manifest in us, if we stay righteous and we stay pure and we follow his commandments like I preached last week. And as I started to study that, there was a, a whole bunch of verses taking me back to the Old Testament because the Ark of the Covenant was a representation of God's glory and God's Holy Spirit that was tangible within the people and for the people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament what Jesus paid for on the cross opened the availability for the Father again, not to be in a piece of furniture, but, but for the Father to dwell within his, actually dwell within his people with the infilling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, with signs and wonders and miracles. But it goes back to 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and this song. And I want, I want you to turn there with me. This morning I want to share a message for just a few more moments with you, entitled The Keys to His Glory. And I'd like you to turn to First Chronicles chapter 16 as we read David's song of the return of God's ark and His glory to the people. Starting at verse 25. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. How many of you know David wrote this song on the heels of the fact that he realized he did it wrong and his friend Uzziah had died for the presentation of this. So he's writing this song 
understanding the reverential awe of God. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 25. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. Verse 26. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. All the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. This is his song. Look at verse 27. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Glory and strength. Now, I want you to see how David sings this song. Verse 29. Give to the Lord the glory do his name. There's something in here that I, I had never noticed. And I just want to pause. I'm going to give some exegesis on this in a minute. But I want to pause just right here. That how many of you know this is in direct reflection? I'll read the verse in a little while out of James where it says, if you draw near unto God, he will draw near unto you. David's hitting something here on his song that's in the Old Testament that's not any different than how God does it in the New Testament. How many of you know in Malachi it says, God does not change? Pastor Mark loves that verse for a particular reason. I won't go into detail with it. But, <laughs> but it says in Malachi, God does not change. He's the same yesterday today and forever. Be with me today. I want you to be with me. Don't, don't be distracted. We're going to get into some depth here in just a minute, but I had to lay all this out. So in the context of this, what, what David is saying is when you go after God's glory, you release the father to dispel or deposit his glory over you, but you have to go after it. You have to seek it. You have to go get it. He went and got it. He went and got the seed of God back. He went and got the place of God's presence back and he brought it into its rightful place. How many know we're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we have to go back and ask for a cleansing, ask for a repentance, ask for things to change in our life, ask for a fresh focus, bind distractions, take authority over discouragement, take authority over sickness, take, take authority over fear, take authority over conflict, take authority over the world, take authority over national catastrophes, take authority over things and say, God, the most important thing that we can have right now is we need your glory back. We don't know what happened. We don't know what took place. We're gonna seek you and we're going to find you because we want your glory to be back in this temple again. As I've been praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord has not declared Ichabod. I don't care what any prophet says. It has not happened. The Lord has not declared Ichabod over the United States of America. But he is asking us to go after his glory and bring his glory back into its rightful place. He wants his glory back in his houses. He wants his glory back in his people. He wants his glory back in everything they say, everything they do, every place they go, every situation they face. He wants the glory, not opinion. Verse 29, give to the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering. This is, this is David's song. We have to... Now, Pastor Jim, are you going to start talking about money? I shouldn't have to. Because offering means a lot of things. But how many of you know, when people get discouraged, when people get despondent, when they feel like God's gotten distant, I want to share something with you. God's not gotten distant. The enemy's just tried to blind God's people of his purpose. God's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matter of fact, I feel like his glory is about to manifest and is manifesting on this earth more than it ever has manifested in all the history of time. There is miracles and signs and wonders that's happening and I believe that's coming like we've never seen. But we have to long for it, we have to ask for it, and we have to seek it. So we can find it. We got to find it again. We got to cleanse ourselves. We got to cleanse our own homes. We got to clean out our stuff. We got to get rid of our compromise. That's bringing an offering. I don't want that in the back of the refrigerator anymore. I don't want that in the cabinet anymore. I don't want that on the computer screen anymore. I don't want that on my phone anymore. I don't want that stuff coming out of my mouth anymore. You guys are with me today. 
We can't do this alone. Do you realize that when the Philistines surrendered the ark and David put it back, everything in the nation changed? Because they got God back where his presence belonged in the first place. I want to share something to That's the greatest revolution and revolt that could ever happen in the United States of America. Isn't a civil war, it's a spiritual glory that comes down from heaven and God's presence fills his people again. God comes back where he rightfully belongs and he's invited to come back. But it doesn't start on the left. It starts... Doesn't start here. It doesn't start on the left. Some of you are going, is he talking about parties? I am. (laughs) It starts with the right falling on their knees and getting his glory back in their temple again and back in their homes again and back in their life again and back in their heart again and back in their hope again. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of... Of what? I don't, know, I don't know why that word's trying to get twisted and misunderstood more and more. Their holiness is the greatest thing. The greatest English term, word, that could ever, ever be communicated to dispel the promise and the hope and the glory and the power and the authority of all holy God. Look at what verse 30 says. Tremble before him all the earth. Basically David is saying, I didn't quite understand the reverential fear and awe of God like I should because I missed it back here when I gave the ark back to Odom Edom. But I saw it firsthand. I saw what happens when you don't revere God, when you don't fear God. When you don't honor God, when you're not holy to God, when you don't do it God's way. There's not a modification to God's way. His word is yes and amen. It is true. It is righteous. It is right. It is the unfallible, authoritative word of God. It cannot be added to and it cannot be taken away from. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be. You know what David is saying there? The world is God's, it was God's, and he created it, and no man's going to take it. Let the heavens rejoice, and let the earth be glad. And look at this, and let them say, among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord reigns. I have a question. Everyone hear this from my heart. When was the last time the presence and glory of God quickened your pulse, your passion, and endued you with new power? Not a religious, not just a worship song that stirred you a little bit in your heart, but when's the last time the actual presence and glory connected with your life in such a tangible way that it quickened It quickened your pulse and your passion and it endued you with fresh power. I want to give you three keys. Three keys real fast. Key number one. Key number one is this. Prepare for amazing things. Now, before you get speculative and you allow the enemy to bring in some type of contentious doubt, Pastor Jim, we're living in a time frame where there's anything but amazing things. I beg to differ with you. I beg to differ with you. We are living in a time frame where Jesus said that his gospel would go around the world and he would pour his spirit upon all flesh. He would pour him out on sons and daughters. He would pour him out on old men who fall from trees. He would pour him out on old women. Can I hear a name? He would pour his spirit out upon us. 
27, honor and majesty are before him, strength and gladness are in his place. Joshua 3, 4 through 5, this is just before they go into the promised land. And Joshua gives this, this, this context and he says this in verse 4, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. How many know we're walking in a time frame in the world we've never been here before? I want to share this with you. you some of you understand what I'm saying. We have never been here before. And then this is what Joshua told the people, consecrate Consecrate yourselves. Do you know what consecrate mean? It meant a lot of things. Fasting was a part of it. They called a fast. He called a fast here. Consecrate yourselves. Separate yourselves. Same thing that David did when he said, Levites, we've got to do this the right way because we can't get the presence and the glory of God back in Jerusalem if we don't get you to consecrate and cleanse yourself and get right and go get the ark the right way. The people of God, he's always expected us. We have to consecrate ourselves. We have to change the way we're looking at things. And we have to put our focus on him and not on what's around us. So he said, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. And this is what he said. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. How many, are you, how many of you are ready for some amazing things? Come on. just How many of you are ready for some amazing things? So, I got to praying about that. I, this isn't necessarily a confession. But this last year has been, for me, since I'm the one trying to present this for you today, and hopefully you're getting it. This last year has been really tough. And I'm talking from... February 26th of 2020 to February 26th of 2021. That year. I'm not talking January to December 31st. Me. February, many of you know, in February, February 26th, February 28th last year. Sunday didn't fall on that day. Fell on the 27th. But it was one of the last Sundays we met together for a long time. Life shifted, things changed. If you'd have told me on Valentine's Day last year that something was going to happen and the church was going to be shut down and life was going to shut down all around the world, I would have told you you were the biggest false prophet I'd ever seen in my life. I would have. I said, you're crazy. That, there's no conceivable, can't happen. Don't believe it, can't happen. If I'd have told you the unrest of one nation in the context of an election year would bring in such anger and hatred and volatility, things with Portland, hor horrible dissension with people and anger with people, people just wanting to get out of their homes so they would come to protest because at least they got to do something. Lots of stuff. And then the division in our nation leading up to everything that happened in November and then all of the context of things and the shift of things that's happened after January the 20th. Things that, that all of us are like, we knew it, we knew it. And so, Pastor Jim, why, why are you going over that? This is the reason why I say all that. Because I've been praying about that. I have. <laughs> But I've been praying and I've been interceding and I've been so intense about all this stuff that's churning in my spirit that I see we've got transgender stuff that's being brought into our schools as of the last couple of weeks that's got to be taught. Brand new history. If you haven't been keeping up with it, there's a brand new history that's going to be taught that doesn't include the Holocaust. It doesn't include a bunch of stuff that's being done that are that they're going to do for the next generation to wash out. I've, I've, been, I've been upset. I've been upset. And I, has anybody in here ever prayed to try to notify God of what's going on? Because maybe he's not. Don't like, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody, I spent a year and didn't realize how I was praying because I've been praying, hello. I've been, I've, been, I've been doing some of it right. I've been giving him glory. I've been worshiping Pam. I've been doing this stuff at the beginning. But then I get to the, to the, to the meat of what I want to pray with him about. And I'm like, God, are you? 
Are you seeing this? God, if, if you're not seeing what I'm seeing, you really need to go apologize to Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah. You really do. About three weeks ago, I had one of those um, misguided prayer sessions. And I got to the end of it, and I was more upset. Do you realize that meditation and prayer and seeking the face of the Father is supposed to bring you closer to Him, not make you more upset and frustrated and aggravated? And then I read three devotions in the middle of it. And the devotion that I read, I won't tell you which one it is. The devotion I read, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is from the pit of hell. And so I started in again. (laughs) You guys are all laughing because you're reading the same devotion. I guarantee you, you're reading the same one. And I got quiet. Do you realize sometimes in God's presence, you have to shut up in order for God to speak? For a year, I hadn't been really quiet. My spirit's been churning. Let me rephrase that. My mind's been churning, which has affected my spirit. So you've got to get it right. Because you've got to take authority over vain imaginations in your mind before God can get to your heart someday. And uh, so I got quiet. And I was laying before the Lord. I was laying on my back, trying to stretch my back out. My hands were raised towards the heavens. And I had a, many of you know I have a compression fracture. I have three vertebrae in my back, my T12, my L1, and my L2. My L1 is one of the worst ones. It actually looks like the state of Oregon. That's the bones that were chipped out of it when I hit the ground. Your, your vertebrae are supposed to be perfectly round like donuts. They're not supposed to have a, and the doctor pointed that out every time. He goes, it's going to take a long time for this to grow back, Mr. Boyd. And... Not only was it look like the, so your spine runs like this, not only, so you're looking at right here is, let's say, L1. So T12 is the last one that holds your ribs, and then you go into your lumbar. That's, so L1 was cracked like organ, and it was shifted out to the left to where when I laid down in the bathtub or something, I could actually feel the knot of that vertebrae. Very eerie feeling. And he said, that has to shift back. We're going to try to take care of your SI joint and do that. That was the procedure I had done Wednesday, but this actually happened before that, praise the Lord. He says, we're going to make, we're going to do this. And hopefully if we can get the foundation in your hips solid, it'll, the spine will recorrect itself. I'm laying on the floor with my back like this and my hands raised. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, just, just. Anybody in here ever had the Holy Spirit just (laughs) 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 So I just got quiet. And I felt the Holy Spirit ask me this question. What's God been saying to you? See, I've been reading lots of devotions, and I've been getting lots of books. I've been acquiring lots of information. And I was telling the Lord a lot. I was talking to him a lot. But I hadn't asked him. See, it's the same mistake that Saul made. I hadn't asked him what he wanted. I asked him and was telling him, how we needed to fight. Which caused his glory to go away in the first place in the Old Testament. Because they got his glory out thinking they could use his glory in his presence as some kind of military band-aid instead of doing it right and seeking him and asking him. Saul had asked a witch and a soothsayer and a median. You can read that. And God didn't go. And then I read where David corrected that. And the first time he went, a man was killed. And the second time he came back and went, I gotta, there has, there's got to be a way that God wants this done.
So as I was praying there, the Lord said, not the devotions you've been meditating on and you've been absorbing. Those are good. He, he didn't come against that. But he says, what have I been saying to you? Um, like, like lately? God? Like, what's... We, where do we? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you've been saying to me. I've been getting a lot of resources and I've been getting a lot of information and my spirit's all churned up. And I've been interceding and I've been I've been praying for your deliverance and I've been praying for you. And he said, that, what have I been saying to you, James Boyd? And I said, I, uh, I don't know. I, and he said this to me. He said, are there things that I have promised you that are deeper things in the Spirit still to come for you? Why aren't you asking for those things? Anybody in here ever asked the Lord to do a repeat? So I, I said, Lord, say, say that again. He said, there are things that I have promised that are deeper things in the Spirit still to come for you. Why have you stopped asking for those things for you? Waiting on the voice of the Lord is powerful, but when you know you've heard it, you need to do something about it. If we're going to get united in the days of head, we better had heard individually what God's saying so corporately we can react and act. How many of you know God's glory is wanting to be present in our lives and the enemy is distracting it from the circumstances surrounding us? I've never preached, I started this out. I'm going to take my time this morning. But we have to recalibrate what ushers in the glory of God individually and independently upon our lives. And the things of this world can get us so churned and so frustrated and so upset and so angry that it can manipulate our spirit and over time we're losing, we're losing out on what the Lord spoke to us and what the Lord wants to download in us and what the Lord wants to give us individually so that when we come together corporately, there's a new praise, there's a new authority, there's a new glory, and there's a new hope. So I spent some time repenting. Lord, I, I've been praying to you and at you. I haven't been praying with you and for you. Did you follow what I said? Anybody in here ever prayed at God? All of us have been doing it in the last year, trust me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, it's almost like my people don't think I know, don't know what's happened and what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. And what I want is for them to seek my glory, not to seek my freedom. On the earth. I will give them earthly freedom if they'll seek my heavenly glory. If they'll seek me first, I've never changed. If my people who were called by my name will, we miss that. We miss the humble and the, will humble themselves and, and, and seek, and seek, and seek, and seek, and seek. What? What are we supposed to seek? Oh, Lord. Lord, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I know that verse. I've used that verse in the last four or five months numerous times. And he says, why do you know the word? And you use the word. I want my people to live my word. Because if they'll seek my face, I'll change the earth and I'll change the circumstances. That's what David said. 
That's what he said in his song. You can read it again. I'm going to give it to you in just a few moments. The earth changed. The world. He said the world changed. So I said, Lord, I repent. I, can you give me guidance on what to do? He says, you need to take, you need to take another step in your praise. I'm like, I, I mean, I don't mind dancing in my underwear. That's... And I remember I had read First Chronicles 15. So if you read First Chronicles 15, I said underwear and three people woke up. What in the world? <laughs> people at home are like, what did you say? Give me a cup of coffee. What did you just say? What you... that's, that's the problem Saul's daughter had with, you know, David was, okay. I said, Lord, what, what do you mean take, take, take step? He goes, I've never changed. If you, see, if you praise me, I will come. All through my word, when my people praised me, when they pushed through and didn't get distracted and didn't get in anguish and didn't get in fear and didn't get in all of that turmoil and didn't lose their focus and they kept me in my glory present and they praised me, I took care of their situations. And most of the time, he took care of it in one day. One day. It says this, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are. But the Lord made. The heavens. So I want to ask you this this morning. Everybody look up here. Are there giftings in your life. That God has given you. Or has spoken to you. That you still haven't been using. Or you stopped using in this last year. That you need to go back and reacquire. And ask him for in your praise. Because what's going to change our earth. Is the praise and the giftings of the Holy Spirit. That's going to be endued through us and in us. It's not going to be the contention that's about us. Are there things in life you've been asking for. And maybe you've given up on. Maybe you've been asking for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jim, I've asked for it. I wanted the evidence of speaking in tongues. I wanted those amazing things. I believe in that. I really do. I really do believe in signs and wonders and all of that. And, and I've just gotten, I've gotten this last year, Pastor Jim, I just, things and I'm, there's disappointment and you don't know what's going on in my family. And it's not only what's going on in America and on the world. We've got all of this and we've got pestilence and we've got all this situation. We've got disease and we've got vaccines and we've got all this stuff and my mind's churning all the time. And the whole time the Lord's saying, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are my people. If you find my glory and you seek my face, I can change your circumstances. So I reached over. I grabbed my phone. You turn this microphone on, Mr. Sound Guy. Faithfulness, still in your hands. 
Yes, I am. right there the Lord said I want you to stand up and this is the truth I stood up and threw both my hands in the air and the minute this hand got right there L1 went thump And I stood there trembling. You know when you feel something and you're like, just don't move. (laughs) I stood there for about 10 minutes. 
said, I got it. And I started with a broken tailbone, a cracked SI joint, three compression, compression vertebrae fractures in my back, a broken ankle, and I had a fun time in the front room. I didn't get to my underwear. Don't even ask that. I know where some of you go. But at the end of it, I said, God, I'll become even more undignified than this. And he said, I don't want to just do that with you. I want to do that with my people. But they cannot allow, they cannot allow the circumstances frustrations, the disappointments, and the anguish of the world to steal my presence from their temple. They can't. If they do, it'll continue to go this way instead of that way. If they individually will find, will find their spot, if they individually will fall at my face and turn from their wicked ways. Goes back to the holiness David sang about. Pastor Jimmy, you can come. I didn't anticipate this being a part two, but you're going to get the rest of it next week. I urge you to be here. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to move in this direction today. The title of the song that I felt led, I played that last week at second service. They didn't know the whole gist of it. I couldn't get to it, but the title of that song is Do It Again, if you wanted to know. I don't know why I, I've got lots of worship songs, and that was the one that I went to. And when the Words started coming across, which I knew them, but I didn't know them in the context of that moment where he was saying the walls aren't just a, a metaphorical process of the walls of Jericho. They're the walls in you, Jim. And I was like, Lord, I don't have any walls. And he goes, oh, let's do a little analysis. All of a sudden, the song took on a new meaning to me. And the praise took on a new meaning to me. And then when I stood, and I saw the power of it, because, oh, Pastor Jim, that's just coincidence. You had been stretched out on the floor, and you would relaxed your muscles, and when you raised this hand, it released the muscle to be able to, oh, help me to pray. <laughs> I spent five weeks on muscle relaxants. And Percocet. And it didn't move on that. And it moved during I can do it again. I know why it moved. I know in whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able. He is well able. He is well able. He is well able. He is well able to keep us. He has not forsaken us. He has not abandoned us. He has not left us. As a people... As a church, it is time to get back to seeking His glory. I want to go back to Odom Edom. I want to go back to Caraphim. I want to go back and I want His glory to be present in my temple again. Right here. I want His anointing. I want His signs and wonders. I want His glory. I don't want the contention. I don't want the pent up fear. I don't want to, to know about all the stuff that's happening. I, I understand. But He said this, I'll take care of Congress if you will seek my face. I'll take care of this land. I want to share something with you. America's not ours. It's His. We just get to steward it. You may say, well, we're doing a pretty bad job. One of the reasons is we got to get back to His glory. That's all it is. Pastor, you think it's that simple? 
I didn't until three weeks ago, and yes, now I do. Individually in my heart, if I will not allow the masks and the vaccines and all the stuff and all the situations, do, do we put our head in the sand and act like Christian ostriches? No. Do we need to make a stand on the word of God and having done all the stand, stand therefore and put on the armor? Absolutely. But we can't do that without his glory because all we are going fighting, we're going fighting without him. That was the problem with Saul. They took the furniture, but they didn't take him. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to fight, I got to fight with his glory and his anointing in front of me, not behind me. He's not a past tense happen chance where I can remember a day that he filled me with his glory. I need to remember three weeks ago when he fell in my front room and his Shekinah glory came and he shifted my vertebrae in an instant and said, that's what I can do for you. That's what I can do for my people. I can shift it. I can change it. Stand with me. I want us to pray today. I want us to pray. It's still, still early. I don't care if second service comes in and finds us all in intercession. They can just come right in the middle of the glory. I don't know what Pastor Jimmy feels led to sing and play here in just a minute, but whatever he feels led to sing and pray. If you need to go, you go. I, I understand. But I, I want to share something with you. I'm going to walk right over here. And I'm going to kneel down for a few moments. And I'm going to seek him. And we need to find him. I don't care if you turn in your seat. I don't care if you come down to this altar. And I'm not just trying to give you a song. But I want to give you this promise. He can do it again. Not only does the song say, I can do it again. But in the verse, it says, he will do it again. He will do it again. He has not forsaken us. And I want everyone to hear your shepherd and your pastor's voice. If we seek him, we will find him. Ichabod has not been birthed yet. Ichabod has not been birthed yet. It is time for us. It is time for us to repent individually. You know, you know where you've been. I, I don't need to lay a heavy on. I don't need to go through all this stuff. You know where your heart's been. You know where your mind has been that's messed with your, that's messed with your heart. You know that for whatever reason, there's just this fear and worry all the time in your home, maybe. And there's this contention and, and you're lashing out and, and you don't even know why. I, I don't even know why. Why? What, what's shifted? What's changed? If you do anything this morning, people, I want you to find a place before God for a few minutes and say, God, return unto me. Return unto me your glory and your power and your holiness in my life. Return unto me the joy of the Lord. Return unto me. Come back to me come back to me. I, I, I got all these outside voices right now. I want to know what you're saying to me. And I want to come and I want to find you. And I want to seek you. And I want to know you. I want you this morning, without your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Jim, before I do that, I probably need to get some things right with God and I need to ask him to come into my life. I don't, I don't care if you were saved 10, 15 years ago. But before we go any further, there's a special anointing here this morning. If you know that you know in your life, you need to ask for his forgiveness in some areas that you know about, that the Holy Spirit's bringing to your mind, and you need to adjust that before you can walk in the anointing and the presence and the power and the authority he has for you. I want you to raise your hand right now so I can pray over you. Come on, just raise your hand. Be bold. Be bold this morning. Just raise it up all over. Just leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. I want to pray over you. And then Pastor Jimmy is going to begin to lead us. I want you to, if you have to leave, please leave quietly. 
If you can, if you need to sit in your seat, if you need to kneel in your seat, if you need to come to these altars, we're going to spend some time in prayer. Father, I thank you and I praise you this morning for your people. Everybody repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to heal me, to heal my mind, to heal my heart, to heal my body. I ask today for your holiness, for your righteousness, for your forgiveness over anything that may have separated me from your mercy, from your grace, from your love, and from your power. Fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. Father, I praise you and I thank you today for your people. Father, you, you will do it again. You will do it again. Father, I pray that the, the walls will fall. The walls will fall. Father, fill us with your glory and your power. Lord, may we get on our faces this week. Lord, some of us may need to start fasting early this week. Father, cleanse us. Cleanse us and heal us, not just our land. But Father, heal us and cleanse us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening. Thank you.